Do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth, how many have you actually seen? These movies are so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture through references and homages that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you'd actually seen them. So why not join me, Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry and even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. And me, Joel, a man who likes films a lot but is constantly described by his friends as overly anal and picky. But I'll let you decide. Each week, we will break down and review a different film, from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated, bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss Goodfellas. This is a 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Goodfellas. The 1990 film directed by Martin Scorsese. Who also did Taxi Driver, our least favourite film of all time. <laughs> also starring Robert De Niro. <laughs> also starring Robert Yeah, my hopes were not high. It's concerning, wasn't it? I was going, ooh, no. Still got a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, um, very much so. Yeah. How wrong I was. Yeah, I'm so glad he saved it. Um, yeah this is much better than taxi driver like straight away oh miles better different leagues a complete this is a proper epic movie isn't it yeah absolutely when a movie spans a long time and feels full of content it's a movie where you want more yeah like i was going why what no slow down slow down i want to learn more about this like whereas taxi driver i was like please god let this end please (laughs) absolutely and it it does it balances having loads of characters and characters who flit in flit out but never feels too big or too clunky no, it it moves at a nice pace, but like there are some characters you go, oh, nice to meet you. This oh, they've gone. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But then nice. it kind of gets away with that because that's the the gangster world they live in. It sets out quite early that people randomly die and they get killed, and you just get on with it. Yeah, um, and based on a true story as well. Like yeah. a lot of this actually happened. Um it's mad. It is mad. It's a what what a world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> for for this to be it's so unbelievable. But you have you believe it because it happened, but you're spending the entire film going, No, surely not. This and I know, I know, it's before we, we we were born, but at the same time, it feels like it should have been ages and ages ago. It's not. It's not at all. No, in the grand scheme of things, like when the film came out, it was very recent history. The time between now and the film coming out is the span that the movie takes place in comparison to when the movie came out, fifties to the eighties. 
is the same as 90s to the 2023. Right. In 1955, youngster Henry Hill becomes enamoured by the criminal life and the mafia presence in his working-class Italian-American neighbourhood in Brooklyn. He begins working for a capo, a head of an Italian crime family, Paul Cicero, and his associates. Jimmy the Gent Conway, an Irish-American truck hijacker and gangster, and Tommy DeVito, a fellow juvenile delinquent. Henry begins as a fence for Jimmy gradually working his way up to more serious crimes um the casting of young henry oh my god spot on like ha, ha, almost cg like did didn't it it looked like a de-aged rayleigh otter which is probably what they would do these days oh but, absolutely. oh i but am even set like because rayleigh otter has a really weird set of mouth doesn't he? Yeah, he's a very unique looking man, or was. Um, yeah. Has he died? Uh, yeah, Ray Liotta died um, last year, I believe. Did he? Because he's great in this. He is out. St- everyone. There is not a bad performance in this film. No. Um, it's not amazing. Like, really, really, really good hats off to Scorsese and the casting department here because they have done so well um, and you know what it, it, especially the flashback bit did seduce you a little bit didn't it it, it, it did you see that it seems quite glamorous because it's there's something about this the way this film is shot and the way it's edited like it changes throughout the film, depending on sort of Hen- like Henry's mind. Does that make sense? Mm. Like it, everything was sort of bright colours and really nice during these flashback bits, and glamorous. Like everything looked really glamorous. Way, yeah. Even though he's living in a rundown neighbourhood, working for mobsters, basically. They made it look really glamorous. Yes, it was definitely from Henry's own point of view, and it was it was too nice. Like even even like when he was like firebombing cars, it was like a hot summer holiday flashback, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think that's what they were going for. Is they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm saying it's like. Uh, point of the director that this is this is henry's memory of it and it was like a wonderful wonderful time yeah it's it's impressive because the movie starts and tells you like there is words on screen that say it's like based on a true story and mm. it is amazing how quick my mind forgot that like instantly and i was just taken in by this world going whoa there's some choices being made here that aren't very realistic Oh really? I was completely upset. I every every like twenty minutes, I kind of went, "Wow, this is that this actually happened." No, see, so you had that, but then I got the at the end, like when it finishes and it and it sort of recaps you as where the characters are now. I went, "Oh my god, yeah, this is a true story," and it was like my mind just shot back to the beginning of the film and it played at a million times speed in my head, and I just went, mm. "Oh my god." What, which do you prefer? Do you prefer 
true story at the start or true story at the end because we've had both in films we've watched i think we? i prefer things that say it's the start and some that say it at the end i think i prefer it at the end oh i'm a star but it all depends on the storytelling because i can sit there going oh this isn't very realistic mm. for the entire thing and then it goes it's a true story and i go oh cool but i would have not sat there going this isn't realistic yeah it all depends know that it all depends on the story for me if it's pulled off very well like this film is then you get the sort of the fact that you know this has happened it's really good um a good example i found was chernobyl um Mm. and i think i've mentioned it before on the podcast but like all these ludicrous things happen and you see these people go through literal hell on earth and then there's like a 20 minute sequence where they go oh just you know this person is still alive they survived like yeah and this person's still alive and and this person who was told she could never have kids again went on to have like a family of five and i'm just like jaw on the floor staring Schnobble. at schnobble was built different though it's just so so good i i thought it was quite and... similar to this it's sort of in the storytelling yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot of it's like good god how is this real yes the three associates spend most of their nights in the 1960s at the Copacabana nightclub, carousing with women. Henry starts dating Karen Friedman, a Jewish woman who is initially troubled by Henry's criminal activities. Seduced by Henry's glamorous lifestyle, she marries him despite her parents' disapproval. Robert De Niro is great in this, isn't he? Thank God. Thank God my only memory now of Robert De Niro isn't Meet the Fockers and Taxi Driver. <laughs> Thank God I've actually yeah. seen him in a good role. <laughs> Peak Robert De Niro, do you think? I don't know. I think very I think good. Ray Liotta shows him up here. I think he's very good, but Robert Ray Liotta does a better job. Yeah, it's, it just they're very much supporting. But then actors, Ray Liotta's the yeah the main main actor. I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to think if there's any films where. Apart from Taxi Driver, where De Niro's a main character and isn't supporting someone else. And I really? can't think of any films. No. I, I, To be fair, I haven't seen many, many films well, with <laughs> many of these actors in. No. Um, this is the first joe pesci film i've ever seen i didn't really know i've always heard people I've talk about joe pesci cool i've never seen him in a film because you've never seen home alone no i haven't no or lethal weapon films no nope, not seen any of them oh wow or my cousin Vinny. no nope. oh so as someone who has maybe never been exposed to joe pesci in his life thoughts it's a lot, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing he's a bit like Michael Caine and he plays himself in everything. Yeah, he's, as someone who has seen him in quite a lot of films, this is sort of what you get with Joe Pesci. Um, this sort of lunatic, not, a, not as much as a psychopath as he is yeah, in this no, film. Yeah, no, but I just mean the acting style. But yeah, like, that, he that's He says the his... lines in all the same way. Yeah, you get Joe Pesci if you want Joe Pesci. Um, yeah. Um, I don't even... I have no idea about the Lethal Weapon films. There's a lot of them, isn't there? Four, I believe. Just look yeah. it down. 
It's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and then Joe Pesci, I think, turns up in the second one and then stays. Oh, I mean, they're not they're not like Oscar-winning <laughs> films, but if you want four absolute, well, three absolutely ludicrous films and then a fourth one they made too late, you should, you should watch the Lethal Weapon films. Um, what did you, I mean, that speech is great, isn't it? Funny how. How am I yeah, funny? Yeah. Um Oh god. Like and and like he is the epitome of like dangerous little men. Yes. You know, yes. he's the one you watch out for and if like a nightclub fight starts, it's the dangerous little one that you watch out for. It's not the big fella. Yeah. He's 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 scary, isn't he? And he's like yeah. he's one of those people and you there are people in real life like this. I've I know people like this. Um, not like this extreme level, but it's like you watch what you're saying around them because they could yeah. turn at any point. Because you're like, oh, you're completely unhinged and have the smallest man He's syndrome. Got a huge chip on his shoulder. Yeah, small yeah. man syndrome. Like overcompensating for everything, and then sort of isn't apologetic at all for anything he does. No, like. No, no, not sympathy, but no remorse for anything or anyone apart from himself. Did you know, Joel? Um, Joe Pesci <laughs> worked as a waiter when he was younger and worked in a restaurant where real mob members dined in. And he basically saw that speech happen. That, like, And it happened to him. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he said to a one member, oh, you, you're quite funny. And he was like, funny how? how? How am I funny? And so Joe Pesci took that and went, well, I guess this is the character I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. Because so, so Scorsese partly wrote the script. He shares screenplay credit with, I believe, the author of the book that this is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did rehearsals with the cast where he basically just let them ad-lib as their characters. Yeah, for a few days and took all the best ad libs and sort of worked them into the script. There was a bunch of quite natural, free flowing conversation in this. Like it reminded me of um, Quentin Tarantino films with the like really ordinary but fitting normal conversations they would have. Yeah, it, it's it's not like it doesn't feel like it's written, does it? It it because because obviously you know this happened it works in a way that you just believe it. It's... It just makes every character feel really real. Yeah, they feel real because they are real, um, which I think I think is a, is a very hard line to tread when writing real people. Um, and I think some biopics struggle with that, where you go, oh, this is very staged and very fakey, whereas... This is very well done. Like I, I don't want to toot its horn too much, but oh, very good. In 1970, Billy Bats, a made man in the Gambino crime family, recently released from prison, patronises Tommy at a nightclub owned by Henry. Tommy and Jimmy beat, stab and fatally shoot Billy. The unsanctioned murder of a made man invites retribution. Realising this, Jimmy, Henry and Tommy bury the body in upstate New York, 
Six months later, however, Jimmy learns that the burial site is slated for development, prompting them to exhume and relocate the decomposing body. Well, the start of the downfall, but not the downfall, because he doesn't really get any consequences of Tommy. Yeah, so... Obviously, going into it, you don't know the time frame of this movie. So I... The moment this happened, I thought, oh, here we go. Like, this is going to be sort of the the downfall. This is, like, what they're going to be dealing with in the film. And then it just jumps to, like, six months later. And I go, oh, okay. They got away with it. Yeah. There is very little consequences for these characters. And spoiler it... Or is there? Or is there? But, spoiler, they keep getting away with stuff. Yeah, um, they do. And maybe it's just sign of the times. Like, Oh, well, exactly. They said that every cop was paid off and every this and every that. You and... throw enough money at a problem, it goes away, basically. Yeah. And it's the mafia, and I think it's a, it's a world I don't think you can even remotely begin to comprehend. No, no. And, like, they way, the way they lived as well, it's like guns at the tip of their fingers but you see it as well like you could die at any time there's a great bit when henry like is going into the nightclub and there's this really long shot and every single person he passes he puts money in their pocket it's like everyone it's like as long as there's money coming in everyone turns a blind eye to everything yeah it's the scale of it is huge and it was, that shot was so good. It was so self-indulgent for Henry. He loved being that guy. Yeah, of course he did. It was it, the centre of the world. Biggest B-knock in the room. Yeah. And it, it, this, this whole section contrasts the high life and the low life that they leave so much and so well. Of the dirty things that they do. To live the glamorous things. And I feel like the editing as well. It's, it's very sporadic, isn't it? It's like, okay, kill, kill, kill. Okay, cut, moving on. It, it's, there's no like lingering shots of them dealing with things. It's That happened. We're moving on now. It, it, it meant such little because it's his sort of point of view telling the story. It's like, yeah, that happened, but it wasn't a big thing. Later. In 1970, Henry witnesses Tommy murder Spider, an errand boy, after exchanging insults with him during a card game. Karen discovers Henry has a mistress and threatens him at gunpoint. Henry moves in with his mistress, but Paulie insists that he should return to Karen after collecting a debt from a gambler in temper with Jimmy. Upon returning, Jimmy and Henry are arrested after being turned in by the gambler's sister, an FBI typist and they receive a 10-year prison sentence. To support his family on the outside, Henry has Karen smuggle in drugs and sells them to fellow inmates. I think this is my favourite part of the film. Yeah. Basically, everybody's paid off, and they're living in um, luxury still. They're cooking, they're wearing nice clothes, they're in like a shared dormitory, basically. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, this guy's here because he's sick of his wife. <laughs> so he's just... taken a year in prison. 
it's so funny and like such a rich world i i really really wish this was a tv show yeah yeah just like, to spend more time really, yeah you could do a season in the prison yeah and show how like oh yeah just how they live in this world it's so like it's dirty and grimy but it's so still glamorous because we're seeing it from henry's sort of point of view and yeah, yes the cracks are starting to show yeah oh especially he, with karen oh, oh my dear you can't get away with whatever he likes with karen but he's still i was expecting there to be a point when like henry turns on karen and and very similar to very similar to the godfather um with what was it it was the drama the sister's husband yeah yeah where he basically turns on her and belts her and just beats the living daylights out of her um i thought there was good i thought there was going to be a switch with henry yeah but he yes he's cheating on her yes he is emotionally manipulative towards her but he's never as far as i'm aware he's never physically violent with her no he pulls the gun on her after she pulls the gun on him yeah but that's but there is it's it's the mental manipulation isn't it which you but then he likes power yeah he likes he likes the power and he is because he's not a good person i think this this film is from his point of view so it makes him out to be a better person than he is. No, he's not a good person. And he's also he's also surrounded with very bad people, which makes him... It normalises things. Because, like, Jimmy's an absolute psycho. Robert De Niro's character is an absolute nutter. Tommy's an absolute nutter. And, like, you... you I kept on tricking myself into thinking, oh, Henry's just, like, the normal one. But no, he runs with these guys, and he does some... Like the guy down in Tampa, like he really threat, like really threatens to kill him, and doesn't doesn't care at all about that guy, and he does all these awful things. But because he's not as awful as everybody uh, as the others, he kind of gets a bit of a pass by the audience when he shouldn't do. He's still a bad person. That's my logic in the fact that I did I didn't think he was a bad person. He's just. He's he is. Not he been, loves it. He's he not enjoys been, it. Yeah, but he's not been. He's he's basically been groomed since childhood into this world. Yes, he chose to go into it, but it's it's the glamour of it. He was led to believe it's oh, better was, than it is. He was a teenager, and he loves it. He's, he loves it up, up until the last. Very influential. Yeah, he's very influential. I always got the illusion that he was just doing what he was. He thought he had to do. No, he liked it. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think you're right there. Yeah. I don't think Henry's as good as a character as I thought he might be. Was. No. No, um, but it tricks you. It tricks you because people around him are awful. Yeah, and he's usually the voice of reason. I think it's done exactly what... It's done to me exactly what I think the filmmakers wanted it to do. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's good though. I think it's a good little like device and... Yeah, it... But then, you in such a crazy world, you kind of need a grounded point of view to help you understand it and get through it. 
Yeah, well, he's very much an audience surrogate. Yeah. In the fact that he, it's framed in a very clever way where he it makes sense that he explains everything. He's got he's of... got plenty of story, but at the same time, it also kind of feels like Tommy's a main character as well. It feels like there's co-main characters rather than like main character side character so forth. Yeah, you've you've got the good fellas. Yeah. That's who they are. They are the the main characters, but you don't follow every waking moment of their lives as you do with yeah with Henry w- with Henry like. You don't know what these characters are doing when Henry isn't around, unless Henry's there as the the surrogate for the audience to explain what's going on. Mm. It's clever. It's a very clever framing device. Yeah. In nineteen seventy eight, Henry is paroled and expands his cocaine business with Jimmy and Tommy against Paulie's orders. Jimmy organizes a crew to raid the Lufthansa vault at John F. Kennedy International Airport, stealing $6 million in cash and jewellery. After some members purchase expensive items against Jimmy's orders and the getaway truck is found by the police, he has most of the crew, except Tommy and Henry, murdered. In 1979, Tommy is deceived into believing he has become a made man and is murdered after walking into the room of the ceremony. Partly as retribution for murdering bats. So it's speeding up now, isn't it? It's like yeah. hardcore four years later. And I went, what? Uh, okay, we're, we're not seeing um, any more of the prison? Okay. It's everything gets faster and looser. Yes. You know, like early film, they feel like they get away with everything and anything. Whereas suddenly they're getting more paranoid. I think as a viewer, I got more paranoid. And I actually got scared for them a bit more. Yeah. It, it, and it's, I think the editing changes as well. Yeah, because it's faster. It's way more pressure. It's faster, but also the lines blur in the fact that like audio from a previous scene will carry on over like video and images of the current scene. It, it, it's it's really odd. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's only for like two or three seconds when they like cut, but it's like a, a jump cut visually, but audio wise, they like blur the line. There's a few times it happens, and I'm going, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, uh, it's a sp- it especially happens when when um, Henry gets into cocaine. Yes, and starts oh, to that take bit it himself. Films stressful. It's yeah, and he starts taking more and more cocaine. Like, and that's it when speeds like, up and yeah. it speeds up and speeds up. It's really, really interesting. I've never seen a film edit to a character's personality and feelings, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Oh, Jimmy's paranoia that spills out, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts to. Oh. Best bit, best bit for Jimmy. Where he's, but it, it's just how Jimmy, Jimmy's almost happier when he's killing people. It's so wild. Well, I think, I think, it, I think Jimmy's happier because he's like, well, that's one less person to blab. Yeah, it's control. It, it's, it's. He's not happy until he's got his core group. Also, he kills nearly all of them, and like. He kills nearly all of them. So there must be tons of money. 
well, like six million dollars, which is like loads of money. But like, God, they seem to go through it and through it and through it, don't they? But I think the issue is, I think he's justified in killing them because I don't think he he set out to kill them. Because you get the the great scene where they're sort of celebrating in the bar, and one after the other, all come in going, "Look at what I've paid for! Look at what I've bought! Look at what I'm flaunting!" When it's yeah, like the it's, entire it's dumb. country is looking for these guys for yeah. this real robbery that happened. Like, it, I think it, it, what was it? I think they're saying in the film it's like the biggest heist in America ever. Yeah. So Jimmy's paranoia, I think, is well rooted. Mm. It's these are people that he's trusted, question mark, and now they're yeah. just flaunting it because these are these are well known gangsters at this point. They are being watched, like they're definitely on watch lists, and people are aware that they're there. But they're paying off the right people to look away. However, yeah. this has probably pushed it a little bit too far in the wrong direction. So all of a sudden he's paranoid because he's going, I bought a new car. I bought a $20,000 mink coat, which I didn't have before. Yeah. It, it's, it's warranted killing them. His paranoia also, is warranted. Did you also go, oh, it's Samuel L. Jackson? I went, oh, is there that... Goes, there goes Samuel L. Yeah. Jackson. <laughs> did he say anything? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> By the time I figured out it was Samuel L. Jackson, his brains were blown out all over a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. It's... I was like, is that Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, I'm still not sure. But he's gone. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, there he, there he goes. I think he maybe said one line. <laughs> <laughs> wild. What a wild... I mean, it's still very... I don't think it is very early in his career, actually. This is like two years before uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he's wild, 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 wild. <laughs> also, I think the um, the sort of change in Karen over these scenes as well. She starts, she becomes more back on Henry's side, and as she gets more and more involved with the with the uh, drug side of things, the drug dealing side of things, yeah, and their similarities really start to come out, don't they? I think, I think, yeah, you you start to realise why they fell in love in the first place. Yeah, why they work together. Uh, yeah, it's it, she only her paranoia because he he started to hide stuff from her, which mm. caused her to have a little bit of a breakdown. But the moment he sort of brings her in on the fold, and and she starts to understand everything that's going on, it. I think their relationship gets quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a toxic kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> in a dangerous, toxic way. Um, oh, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. I didn't see it coming. I did not see it coming at all. I was like, uh, it does really he's well. He's just gotten it. away with everything, hasn't he? Everything. He's, I think he's killed, like, nonchalantly killed, like, five people at this point. Yeah. Like when he just, oh, when he just when he kills Spider, because because yeah. they tease it by he shoots him in the foot, and then it's like, well, you're a bloody psychopath, and then yeah. he just blows him away, and he's not remotely sorry, and like all the characters around him don't really they call him out on it, but they don't call him out don't because really. I think they're scared that he'll just kill them himself. Well, and also, like, 
Tommy's part of the like proper family. And yeah, can, but he's a loose cannon. Can be made and stuff. He he's a character you, you don't want to take out on the street, do you? Yeah. So when he gets his just desserts, and they they frame it so well, they're like, mm. oh, he's and being I, made, I, and it's I, like, oh, what does made mean? And they go, oh, it means that you're like. 100% I, uh, 100% Italian, you're untouchable. And you go, it, well, oh, like really Billy was. You. Oh, wait. Boom. Bullet oh, to the wait, brain. Yeah. It, it became a, oh, God, this this character is getting more stuff handed to him on a plate. Exactly. He yeah. should be getting repercussions. And he's, he's oh, never mind. No, it's a, it's a trap. And he gets blown away. But it comes a theme, like, because Henry's a bit paranoid of Jimmy, that Jimmy's going to kill him. Uh, because he's killed everybody else from the Lufthansa heist. And, like, like Henry it explains it so well, basically, saying, if you can see them coming, you're safe. It's when you don't see them coming, you, you're dead. There's yeah. no there's no hello, there's no warning. They kill you, you with a smile. You will just be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. By 1980... Henry develops a drug habit and becomes a paranoid wreck. He sets up another drug deal with Pittsburgh Associates, but he is arrested by the narcotics agents and incarcerated. After bailing him out, Karen reveals that she flushed $60,000 worth of cocaine down the toilet to prevent the FBI agents from finding it during their raid, leaving them penniless. Feeling betrayed by Henry's drug dealing, Paulie gives him $3,200 and ends their association, which also meant that Henry had lost Paulie's protection from other gangsters. Karen goes to Jimmy for help, but eventually flees upon suspecting a trap to murder her. Henry later meets Jimmy at a diner and is asked to travel on a hit assignment, but the novelty of such a request makes Henry suspicious. Even I got paranoid watching this. Yeah, it's yeah. Edit. Oh, the editing, the fact that it's like there's a ticking clock. It became it's uncomfortable like, to watch in all the right ways. Yeah, he's so addicted and high on drugs, and it keeps telling you exactly like there's there is that that like ticking clock. It's edited to a ticking clock. It, you know that he's got to make this meal at this time, and things keep going wrong. And he's paranoid because he's like, oh, there's a helicopter. Is that helicopter following me? It must be. I keep seeing this helicopter. And it, it became a point where I was going, I don't think that helicopter is following him. I think he's just been super paranoid. He just keeps seeing <laughs> helicopters. And it was. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, spoiler, it, it ends up being that he's been f- being followed for like two months or something. Yeah. And it's it's like, it's fine. Someone's got to make a flight at an airport. Someone's got to make a flight at an airport. Things go wrong. Things go wrong. They have the family meal. Oh, she's forgotten her hat. Okay, okay. We're gonna we're gonna take her to the we're gonna take her to the airport. He gets in the car. All of a sudden, there's a gun to his head. He goes, "This is it. It's the end of my life." Oh no, it's the police. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm all good. And suddenly, good. yes, yeah. But he was like, "I'm okay." It, he's, it calms down, and it's like interesting. It's a very, it's another very good, it's another very, very good part of the film. And I could, I, you can almost see this is like five films in one. Well, I was just, I was just thinking, it's not a sort of first act, second act, third act kind of film. It's like, it is like chapters. It's very book-like, but in all the right ways. 
Yeah, and maybe that comes from it being adapted from a book. <laughs> it just might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this just in, the sky's blue, Joel. Uh, um, yes. But then there, I, there, books are adapted all the time. I don't yeah, think I yeah. know many films where the, the film feels like a book. No, no. So I, I think you've, I think you've made a very astute observation there. Ah, thank you. Even though it was a stupid one. <laughs> uh, right then, realizing that Jimmy also plans to have him killed, Henry finally decides to become an informant and enroll with his family into the witness protection program. Henry gives sufficient testimony and evidence in court to have Paulie and Jimmy convicted and moves to a nondescript neighbourhood in accordance with the Witness Protection Programme. Henry describes his unhappiness in leaving his exciting, turbulent gangster life, now being condemned to live the rest of his life like a boring, average schnook. Okay. Semi-satisfying end, semi-unsatisfying end, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's a very much a, oh, you're, you've gotten away with everything. Yes. Yeah, you've done some time in prison. But, but then Henry didn't... Henry's been present for a lot of stuff and complicit to a lot of stuff. Did, I'm trying to think, did Henry ever kill anyone? I don't know. Probably, ever though. See but him remember, kill it's anyone? from his point of view. Yeah, so it's he's from his... lighter on himself than anybody else. Yeah, he's not he a... He must re- have killed some people. Yeah, I think he's an unreliable narrator, isn't he? Exactly. It, it's, he's... I think he's glossing over the facts. Um, but at face value, yeah. this is, I think, where I came out of it going, he wasn't that bad. It was, he was just sort of a, a product of his upbringing and his environment. There's but not ramifications I... to running a drug empire. Yeah. There is but then I ramifications. Think they... There's no, not a chance that he didn't protect his area and all that kind of stuff. But it's all glossed over. Yeah, I think it 100% comes from the fact that I forgot this was a true story as it was happening. And I and I, I think... I, I'm really looking forward to rewatching this, yeah, and hopefully remembering that Henry is an unreliable narrator, and not almost nothing Henry says could be trusted. Um, mm. And I think I'll see this film in a completely different light. I think I will still absolutely love it. But yeah, oh, it's brilliant, 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 brilliant film, and the ending, like it has to come to a head. There has to be accountability at some point. It's just the way of the world that there has to be accountability at some point. And it comes for some of them and not others. It's a little bit anticlimactic, isn't it? Slightly, yeah. Because you get that sort of high-stakes, drug-fueled car chase. But it's not really a car chase. Yeah. And you're expecting it to be like almost like a big shootout. And it's, it's, I'm glad it's it wasn't. I'm, glad I'm very, wasn't. yeah, I think that had completely ruined the movie. Yeah, big shootout between Henry and, and Jimmy. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a great ending. But I, I loved the little bits, like when Jimmy was just cold as anything, just saying to Karen, I'll oh, just go down there and go down that alleyway. And you're as an audience, you're just going, no, 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 no. no. Please no, please no. 
But do you think do you think Jimmy was going to get Karen killed? Do you, you think know. that's what that you don't was? Know. You don't know. I think that's that's it's it's, it's great paranoia, character, isn't it? It's, it's great brilliant. character building that you don't know, and it's great world building that you have the same paranoia as the characters do. It's fantastically no edited. One's safe. No this one's is, safe, really. This is storytelling on a on a level I've never seen before, and maybe never will again. Yeah. Um, Scores on the doors. Eight point nine. Eight point nine. It's not quite a nine. It's very good though. I was going to say 8.5. It's it's high. It's up there. It's very I, high. I, yeah, I, I didn't want to give it a 9. Neither did I. Uh, it's not a 9. It's not a 9. Awfully close. But, yeah. It's it's a, it's a very good film. Very much uh, you have to watch this. Unpopular opinion. Better than The Godfather. <laughs> Yes, it's 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 Scorsese watched The Godfather and went, I can make this better. Yeah, it's very similar to The Godfather in in sort of the way it's staged, oh, but in it's the a lot fact better. that there there isn't this sort of A to B to C plot. It's yeah. more of like this mash where you're going, you you're sort of just following these people. You're just yeah. a spe- like a, a spectator in their life, like a, a, a portion of their life, and like what happens in their life there's no like villain or hero it's just sort of a spectation but yes like pulp fiction in that regard as well that's got a point to it (laughs) like pulp fiction uh and i think i said at the time if pulp fiction was in order and they didn't do the weird time jump i think it'd be better yeah um but you i think yeah i think you can see like having and this is what i really like now that we're seeing more of these films you're seeing what's influenced films yeah. before it like tarantino clearly saw this and and the godfather and said i can make something similar to that um and scorsese's seen the godfather and gone i can make that in my yeah. own unique way but i can edit it in a better way and but i think i think people would now describe Pulp Fiction as Tarantino's Godfather. Yeah. And I think I understand that now because I've seen Scorsese's Godfather. Yes. And and I'm seeing these comparisons and it's like everything's starting to come into view for me. And Scorsese did it best. I think Scorsese did it best. Which balances out that horrible film Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, This was nominated for six Academy Awards. Very deservedly, yeah. Um, only one winner, which Ooh. was Joe Pesci for Best Supporting Actor. I think this is the shortest period of time between a film being released in 1990, but in 2000 it was deemed culturally, historically and aesthetically significant and was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the United States Library of Congress. So 10 years, it made such an impact when it came out. It only took 10 years for people to go. This needs to be saved for future generations. Very good film. Will next week be as good? Well, next week is... It's a Western. Butch Cassidy 
and the Sundance Kid. Get your cowboy hat. I've never seen a Western. Never seen a Western. Right then. Go with the outro. Why are you asking me for an outro? Well, I, th- I thought you were quite funny. Do I look like a funny man? Do I look like an actual man? Do I look like a man who's going to do an outro? Look uh, at me. Look at me. See, you can't even look at me. Disgusting. Get away with you next week. Get away with you, audience. Go away. Bye. 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 Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. You can subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice or follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. We have new episodes every Thursday. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Robert De Niro's in Godfather 1 as well. Is he? <laughs> Apparently. Oh. He's in the credits. Well, we missed that. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs>